Hello and welcome to Landings with a Flare, the podcast where we supplement and support flight training. This is Captain Teresa. This episode will be a pilot ground school lesson in the format of a guided discussion. This conversation was recorded on the audio platform called Clubhouse. You will likely hear some variation in audio quality as speakers tune in from around the world. Many of our ground school lessons include handouts, which you can find along with other resources in the podcast show notes. They are also on our website, landingswithaflare.com. We hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. Welcome aboard. Welcome, and let's talk about air masses and fronts. So what is an air mass? Destiny J. An air mass is a big body of air that can be like colder or like hotter air. Yes, an air mass is a large mass or body of air with similar characteristics. And then there are several different types of air masses. There are a few different names that are important to help you understand air masses. Some air masses we say are maritime and some we say are continental. What's the difference between a maritime and a continental air mass or where they are formed? Sand dune. Uh, the, normally maritime air masses it should be occur like over water and uh, very humidity and but continental it's very dry and it will occur in the mainly in the overland. Yes. So a maritime air mass is formed over water, like typically an ocean, a large body of water. And then a continental air mass is formed over the land, a large body of land. And then we also say that some air masses are polar and some are tropical. What would that have to do with the formation of polar versus tropical? Enrique? A polar air mass would be formed above the 60 degrees of latitude. So in the polar regions of the globe, um, both on, on the Arctic and on the Antarctic. And then the tropical ones would be formed between the, the 30 degrees of latitude. That would be the tropical region. That's a good way to say it. The polar are formed in the colder regions and the tropical are formed in the warmer regions. I believe you're probably correct on the latitude. I actually haven't memorized that myself. So I'm going to speak about the United States, but then we should open it up to talk about other countries. In the United States, that means that if we have something called a maritime polar air mass, It was formed over the ocean, and it was formed typically north of the United States in colder weather. We could also have something called a maritime tropical air mass, which was formed over the ocean, but in warmer weather, typically from south of the United States. So if we can have maritime polar and maritime tropical, then we can also have something called continental polar and continental tropical. Continental polar is formed typically over the land in Canada. So it's formed over land and it's cold. And then continental tropical would be formed over the land, essentially in Mexico for us. It's formed over the land, so it's dry. And tropical means it's warm. So you can look at the words continental and maritime to see if it's dry or wet. 
And you can look at the words polar or tropical to see if it's going to be cold or warm. And then there is one other air mass that we get in the United States called the Arctic air mass. We don't get it too often, but sometimes on a very, very cold day in the winter, we can have this very cold air come down all the way from the north as well. Those are the air masses that we get in the United States. But who would like to speak about air masses in other countries? Is there anything that we should add? Enrique? Yeah. So down here, not just in Brazil, but also in South America, we have a really interesting continental air mass that is formed on the Amazon rainforest. And as most of things in, in meteorology, you should expect that below the equator on, on the southern hemisphere, it works uh, the opposite way. So this one is coming from the north and comes with a lot of moisture and humidity from the Amazon rainforest. Not something that you would expect. Although when it reaches the southern parts of Brazil, especially, it already lost a lot of moisture because we have a transition region that looks like a desert between the north and the south of the country. And our Antarctic masses, the cold masses, they come from the south, so usually from the southern tips of Argentina. And when it gets way too strong, comes directly from Antarctica to us, really dropping the, the temperatures. So the warm air masses here, sometimes they can be formed on the northwest. But as a rule of thumb, the, the colder masses we expect coming from the south, more specifically from, from southeast. And the warmer air masses we expect coming from the northwest. That's neat. And I think it's interesting that the continental air mass that you get has so much moisture in it. It makes sense, but it just goes to show that we are speaking in very general terms. And there are a lot of exceptions in meteorology depending on what part of the world you're in and where you go. Okay, so if an air mass is a big mass of air, now it is time to define a front. Who would like to define a front? Astro. Yes, the definition of a front means a transition zone between two air masses of different characteristics. That was textbook. That was a perfect answer. So the front is the boundary between the two air masses. I like to think of an air mass as an army. Let's say you have a warm army and a cold army, and they are marching toward each other. Where they meet, that is the front of the battle, or in the weather, that is the front between the two air masses. So the front is then named after which army starts to win. If you have a cold army and a warm army marching toward each other, and the cold army starts to win, and they are advancing in their position, what kind of front would we call that? Destiny J. A cold front. Exactly. And of course, the opposite would be true. If, if the warm army was winning or the warm air mass was taking over, what kind of front would that be? Then a warm front. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So we've got a cold front and a warm front, depending on which ones are winning. So now we can get a little bit trickier and talk about what happens when neither one is really winning, but they're both just kind of flowing alongside each other and neither one is making a lot of progress. Who would like to say what kind of front that is? 
And fill up. The stationary front. Yes. So stationary front is like when the two armies are preparing for battle, but nothing really exciting has happened yet. And maybe there are some small skirmishes or some small little fights, but there's no clear winner. Okay, so then the last one is when the one front overtakes another. Often what happens is the warm fronts move slower than the cold fronts. And so sometimes the cold fronts catch up to the warm fronts. What is this one called? Enrique. That's the occluded front. Yeah, and so the occluded front is when one front overtakes another And the faster fronts are usually the cold fronts, and the slower fronts are the warm fronts. So your occlusion, or your occluded front, is going to be a cold front overtaking a warm front. Let's talk about what the symbols look like on the charts. What does the symbol for a cold front look like on a chart? Enrique? If your chart is colored, it would be a blue line. If it's not, that is a line with triangles. So if there is color, it'll be blue. And either way, you're going to have these triangular symbols on it. I like to think of them as icicles hanging off the front. What does the symbol for a warm front look like? Destiny J. They're like red, as you say, thermals on the um, weather depicted chart. Yeah, if the symbol is in color, it will be red. And it will have half circular symbols on it. And my personal memory aid is to think of those as thermals or rising air. So I think of the cold front like icicles and the warm front like warm rising air. Next question is the symbol on stationary front. They're like circles and then the icicle. Yeah, it's alternating the symbols between the warm front and the cold front. And they're pointing in different directions. So you have the blue triangle pointing in one direction, essentially, from the cold front symbol. And then the half circle from the warm front, that symbol is pointing in the opposite direction. So it it looks like the two fronts met and they're each trying to go in their desired direction, but neither one is winning. So let's talk about the symbol for the occluded front. What does that look like on a chart? They're like this purple color so blue and red mixed together purple so it's a purple color it's the blue and the red mixed together or some people would say it's magenta but we think of it as purple because that's a great memory aid and then are the symbols on alternating sides or on the same side they're on the same side exactly so now that we've talked about symbols for fronts we need to talk about what the fronts look like from the side let's go to page eight of the handout. Let's talk about a cold front first from the side. Who would like to talk about what that might look like if you're looking at it from like a profile view from the side? Enrique. You have a much more steeper angle of the cold front getting below the warm front or the warm mass that was sitting before it comes over. Okay, so you said a steeper angle. Would you say it's maybe more of a, a blunt angle in a sense. I like to think of it almost like a rounded fist punching underneath the warm air because cold air goes under warm air. Cold air is denser and it's almost like a fist punching its way in. It actually tends to be kind of more rounded on one end or more blunt. 
they're not always traveling at the same speed, but in general, they tend to move on the somewhat quicker side because cold air naturally wants to go under the warm air. But now let's talk about a warm front, which is a little bit trickier because warm air does not naturally have as much force to push the cold air out of the way. What does a warm front tend to look like more from the side? Destiny J? It sort of like goes like on top of the cold air and it makes like an upward motion. Yeah, that's a good explanation. It's kind of more of a gradual slope. As it's pushing the cold air away, the warm air kind of rises up over it still a little bit. And that's more what a warm front looks like. It just tends not to move as quickly because the warm air is less dense than the cold air. I like to joke and say that it's a little bit like the warm air is being passive aggressive. The cold air is very aggressive, punching its way under warm air in a cold front. But in a warm front, it's kind of more of this gradual push as it pushes it away. So now let's talk about the weather at each. In the cold front, the cold air is forcing warm, moist air to rapidly rise. And of course, as it does that, it's going to cool off. So what kind of weather are you going to expect? Destiny Jet? Um, bad weather. Yeah, that's where you're going to get some of your strongest cumulus clouds, some of your strongest storms, that kind of thing, because there's a lot of energy there as the cold air is pushing the warm air up and forcing it to rise. And of course, warm air, as it cools off, can't hold all the moisture, so you get clouds and rain and all that. And when there's a thunderstorm right at the front, we call that a frontal thunderstorm. And we'll talk about this more next week. But sometimes it's so powerful that there's actually a pressure wave that goes out ahead of the cold front and creates a line of thunderstorms out ahead on this pressure wave. For bonus points, would anyone like to say what that pressure wave is called? Mo, go ahead. Sometimes you see squall lines in front of the cold front. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, the term. So a squall line, it can actually be a big line of thunderstorms that are often quite violent. And they can be on a pressure wave that travels ahead of the cold front. Think of cold fronts as creating some pretty bad weather at times. Again, there's a lot of variety in the world, but this is kind of a big generalization. So in a warm front, let's talk about the weather there. If the warm air is rising up a bit as it kind of slopes gradually over the cold air, what kind of weather would you expect below? Philip? So below the front, there is stable weather with uh, cirrus, cirrus stratus, alto stratus, and nimbus stratus clouds. And due to the lower um, steepness of the front, you may see precipitation from the front that hits the surface up to 200 nautical miles in front of the front from your point of view. And the winds are going into the direction of the movement. Yeah. So. When a warm front overtakes a cold front, you're going to see a lot of stratus clouds because it's more stable air. When warm air is over cold air, there's less of a tendency for them to mix, and so we call that stable. As we mentioned before, we also call that a temperature inversion because normally, as you go up in altitude, the air gets colder. But when there's a warm front, as you rise in altitude, the air gets warmer for a little while. 
And so that would also be called a temperature inversion. If you are standing ahead of the warm front, early in the day, you might have high level stratus clouds. And then as the day goes on, then you might get middle level stratus clouds, like your alto stratus. And then as the day goes on, then you might get your lower stratus clouds. And all of these clouds might have a certain amount of rain in them, which could then be your nimbostratus or something of that nature. Any comments on cold or warm fronts from the side? Mo, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to add just the uh, squall lines are big, heavy thunderstorm lines that it's usually hard to fly around them and they're moving fast, so it's better not to fly close to them. And if you look at a park chart, you see a uh, cold front coming and you're flying the day after, you can expect a good, smooth weather the day after a cold front pass behind the cold front. That is a good point. So behind a front, there's often good weather. Fronts themselves are low-pressure areas. There's always going to be some kind of air rising at a front, and that's your low pressure, and then you're going to have some kind of rain and clouds and bad weather associated with that low pressure. But once the front has passed and then the air mass is now covering the region, that is typically going to be high pressure, which is going to be good weather. So that's why a bad weather day is often followed by some good weather. And that's because that high pressure area came in. We've talked about cold fronts and warm fronts from the side. Let's talk about what a stationary front looks like from the side. Is there any wind in a stationary front? Philip. So um, there is very little interaction between the two air masses, obviously, therefore no significant weather. But from my knowledge, the wind changes in, in, in a 90-degree angle, so it blows uh, with the front. So it's totally one, 90 degrees opposite towards the front. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm limited in my that's okay. explanation, but that's how it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Destiny J, I think I just missed your microphone flash. Would you agree with what Philip said, or would you want to explain a little bit on that? Um, I agree with what he says. I thought it flowed like parallel to the stationary front. So that's it. The wind flows parallel to the front, and then it's in opposite directions depending on what side of the front you're on. And I think that's what you were really saying as well, Philip. Correct. Okay, great. So, and then at the stationary front, it's not going to be as well-defined exactly what's happening with the weather because there are so many different possible variations. But typically, you are going to see some clouds and rain because there is some lifting still happening. Okay, the last one I want to look at from the side is the occluded front. We said that an occluded front is when a cold front overtakes a warm front. Who would like to talk about what this looks like from the side and how it affects the rain and the clouds? Destiny J. So the cold air lifts up like the warmer air and it replaces it because it's moving faster and then it creates like an uplifting action, which can create convection activity or thunderstorms because you need like an uplifting action. Good answer. So the warm air is trapped between two sets of cold air at that point, and it's almost like it's trapped in a wedge above it. Because remember that there was cold air on one side of the warm front already. That's what the warm air was trying to push away. 
and then more cold air comes in from behind. So there's cold air on two sides, warm air in the middle that gets pushed up because it's been trapped between them. And when warm, moist air is forced to rise, you are definitely going to get some kind of cloud and precipitation and moisture. And that's kind of what you will expect in a typical front like that. But then what's going to happen is all of the air eventually is going to kind of mix together and it's going to dissipate over time. And eventually things will kind of mix together and blend in again more and, and settle out. There's one other thing I want to say. I think I'm getting more advanced than what people need to know for their private or their commercial ratings, but I want to bring it up anyway because you will hear the terms. In an occluded front, they can break it down into two categories. One is called a cold occlusion and one is called a warm occlusion. Does anyone want to briefly speak about that? Actually, all that is, is it's saying which side of the cold air is colder than the other. Remember how we said that the air kind of goes cold, warm, cold. It's the warm air is trapped between two sets of cold air. And so sometimes people say, okay, well, but which cold air is colder? So the original cold air that the warm front was overtaking, if that one is, uh, let's see, if that one is warmer than the, the cold air that comes around behind, then we call that a cold occlusion. But if the warm air coming in from behind is warmer, we call it a warm occlusion. So a cold occlusion or a warm occlusion just describes the cold air coming in from the back, whether it's colder or warmer than the original cold air. I hope that wasn't too confusing. I was debating whether or not we were going to go into weather patterns. I think we should save that for next week. Next week, we will talk about weather patterns and we will talk about hazards to flight especially turbulence and thunderstorms. And that will then wrap up our lesson on meteorology. This is Captain Teresa. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you were one of the people being recorded, I thank you. If you were one of the people that we edited out of this recording, I beg your forgiveness. There were many reasons that this episode may have been edited, including length, audio quality, and accuracy. We don't always have the right answers. I ask you to view this as entertainment and not as a replacement for formal instruction or advice. If you want to send constructive feedback or if you have questions, feel free to contact us through our website, landingswithaflare.com. You can view announcements on our Instagram account, landings with a flare. You can also join our live conversations on Clubhouse in the club pilot flight training. If you got value out of this podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a positive review. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you happy landings.